0: Storyline, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and I'm very excited to play the next episode of our story for you. But before I do, I want to zoom in a little bit on how it got made. After I wrote the first episode, I emailed to my friend Stefan, who you'll get to meet when I interview him for our next episode. Normally, when you collaborate with someone on a creative project, you sit around and bat around ideas to talk about where the idea should go. But I know from experience as a writer in a variety of mediums, they can be extremely time-consuming. You can burn hours over the course of multiple meetings before anybody types a word of what will eventually become your story. Hopefully. One of my goals for this show is to foster maximum collaboration with minimum wasted time. Talented people are busy people. And it's been my experience that time commitments can often keep talented people from working together. So I said to Steph, and this was via email, we didn't even talk. Steph, I know you're busy. Just read this and write what you think should come next. I shared some basic story rules that I'd cooked up. and These are the same ones you can find in the guidelines section of our site, thestoryliner.com. But beyond that exchange, that was really it. Probably five minutes for me to type the email and five minutes of him reading the email and guidelines. We didn't even talk about what the story was about or where it should go. We didn't talk about the story at all. I just trusted that Steph would come up with something great. And he did. A quick edit, and one new scene later, it was ready for recording. The process was hugely satisfying for me because so often I've wanted to collaborate with friends and colleagues on something. But because of the necessary time investment, we usually come to the mutual decision to put it off, and put it off some more, and so on. It's my hope that by participating in the Storyliner, people who, either because of time or distance, would normally never be able to be in the same room together, can experience creative collaboration. When the collaboration is good, the output is great. And I think what Steph created for the storyliner is really great. So give a listen, and I'll be back at the end with a word about our next episode.
1: The caller ID was from a number Glenn didn't recognize, but he answered anyway. He only used the phone for work, and most of his work calls came from numbers he didn't recognize and never saw twice. Esposito, said the voice on the other side of the line. Esposito was a name he wasn't used to hearing, his own last name. His clients preferred first names. Speaking, Glenn replied. Family from Naples, the voice asked. No, Glenn replied. I think you've got the wrong number. No, I've got the right number, the voice replied. You lose something? After a moment, Glenn replied, yeah. You want it back? I do. Then say, I've got family in Naples. Why? You want it back or not, the voice asked. Okay, Glenn responded. I've got family in Naples. It's the truth, Glenn. I'm not just making you say it because I'm an asshole. Of course not. Do you have a name? Baldo, the voice replied. Glenn went to the address Baldo gave him, but didn't make the connection until he got out of the cab. There it was, Giannini's, an authentic Italian restaurant with all the bells and whistles. Wicker bottle Chianti? Check. Prosciutto drying from the ceiling? Check. Framed black-and-white photos of manly hugs and handshakes so numerous you couldn't see the walls? Check. It was the location of the first camera install Glenn had ever done. A referral from someone he'd barely known from college and lost touch with soon after. In his mind's eye, he saw the restaurant as it had been long ago when he'd done the install, packed full with men in ill-fitting suits, staring at him whenever he came inside to use the restroom. Now, the place was almost empty, with only a bored-looking cook, a busboy midway through a lover's quarrel on his cell phone, and a man seated in the far corner of the restaurant, staring at a large sheet of paper that was spread out in front of him. The man looked up at him and grinned brightly. Hey, Glenn, come on over here. As friendly as the grin was, it couldn't overcome its ominous accompaniment above. A thick, defiantly ungroomed unibrow that dared you to stare as much as it dared you to look away. Baldo? Glenn asked. Good to finally meet you, Glenn. Have a seat. Immediately upon sitting, Glenn noticed his name printed in large type at the top of the large sheet of paper. Smaller clusters of names were printed underneath it. It was a family tree, his own. Baldo swung it around so Glenn could get a better look. "'You ever meet a woman named Carla?' Baldo asked. "'No,' Glenn replied. Baldo tapped one of the names on the paper with a hairy finger. "'She was one of your great-aunts, died when you were pretty young, so never meeting her is understandable. But as you can see, with the same finger, he circled a cluster of names around that of his great-aunt. "'You've got family in Naples,' Baldo shrugged with a grin and said, I minored in genealogy in college. Never did anything with it. Of course, whoever uses their degree, right? Still, I like to research people who I plan to meet. Anyway, you're wondering why you're here. I was hoping to get back something I'd lost, Glenn said. Yes, let's do that, Baldo said. standing in front of the restaurant now. Baldo had thrown on large black sunglasses that sat just below his unibrow, combining to form a face mask that concealed any expression. Do you remember the last time you were here? Baldo asked. Sure, Glenn replied. As you can see, the restaurant doesn't do much business these days. It's more of a hub. Deliveries, that sort of thing. You saw it when it was busy. Probably too busy. You met a man who had you install some security cameras. My father, Sam DeFranco. Glenn nodded and felt the deja vu confront him more. He stood right where they were standing now, next to a man who was also talking about the restaurant. Look at this, the man had said excitedly to Glenn. This is a great location. Isn't it a great location? Absolutely, Glenn had replied. It's good. Only thing is they can come at me from all angles. Come at you? Look, he'd said, throwing a paternal arm around Glenn. They can come at you from all angles. One by one. The man had pointed out the triangle of streets that made up the intersection. We're right in the middle here. Great location for anybody looking to... After a moment, the man had shrugged. They agreed on a configuration that would cover every angle that represented a potential threat. Glenn had recommended bulky, more noticeable cameras to provide a visible deterrent, but the man had insisted on small cameras, not wanting to damage the character of the neighborhood. The cameras were gone now, but Glenn could still see the cement anchors he drilled into the walls. It had been an important job, Glenn's first go at developing the custom cameras he'd used today, and he'd been paid well to do it. But the déjà vu had turned to dread when Glenn realized it, just an instant before Baldo said it. That man you met with, Glenn? That wasn't Sam DeFranco. He used those cameras to watch Sam DeFranco, follow my father's routine, and then watch and wait until he was here alone. Aldo was silent for a moment, and then shrugged. That man is dead now, too. Glenn didn't speak. I know you didn't know, Glenn. I did that family tree a long time ago, and it was clear. You're no relation to him, and five minutes of searching your name online made it clear that you're just a clever, creative person who was misled. I had the cameras destroyed, though. You can understand why. He pulled a keychain out of his pocket and popped the electric lock on the trunk of a black SUV parked next to them, letting the automatic hydraulics slowly raise it open. So, you can imagine my surprise when I was sorting through my deliveries yesterday and came across these. Glenn's two stolen suitcases were in the back of the trunk. Baldo opened one of them, the suitcase Glenn used to hold his cameras, and pulled one out. Baldo handed the camera to Glenn and said, Not the exact same camera, but shared genealogy. And with your name on the tags, no less." Alda was silent for a moment and then shrugged. "So you can understand why, after all this time, I'm re-examining your family tree. Marianne swiped through eligible bachelors. Each had built a life for himself. Interesting careers that took them to interesting places to meet with interesting people. Each was handsome, and even the ones who were losing their hair looked like they were taking good care of themselves. Could take good care of you. Each was a yes, but Tiffany said no to each. You're not even looking at some of these, Marianne said. I'm seeing enough, Tiffany replied as she swiped through messages on her watch. Without looking up, she paused briefly to swipe through the air and say, Let's keep going they were alone in the company auditorium engaged in symbiotasking. It was one of the many startup business phrases Tiffany had coined. Symbiotasking was her upgrade to multitasking, whereby instead of trying to combine a number of unrelated tasks, you combine related tasks, theoretically using related neurons in the brain, thereby increasing performance and reducing mental fatigue. Today's symbiotasking combined rehearsing for the keynote address Tiffany would be delivering tomorrow and auditioning potential dates for a big-ticket fundraiser she'd be attending that evening. Both events required making some cuts, and her decisions related to both events would receive significant public scrutiny. And so Tiffany stood on stage and rehearsed her presentation in front of Marianne in five-minute bursts, alternated by five-minute bursts of Marianne swiping through candidates from the C-suite-only dating consultancy they'd hired. Each candidate was projected onto the same screen as Tiffany's presentation, giving each man outsized significance. Marianne swiped through more, but Tiffany rejected these two. The job wasn't right, the university wasn't right, the jacket was from H&M. Finally, Tiffany turned away from the screen and asked Marianne, How much am I paying for this? 3000 Marianne replied. Shit, Tiffany replied. I could buy a man for that much. Rub my fucking shoulders, fix my laptop, take out my recycling or rent-a-man at least. Three thousand? Actually, the company's paying for it, Marianne replied. Really? I asked finance, and since the fundraiser invite came to your work address, you're good. You are so goddamn smart, Tiffany said. Can you run this company for me too? I would, but your office gets such shitty light, Marianne replied. Marianne always used humor to deflect any compliments she received from Tiffany. Even though she was just an assistant, she obscured herself whenever she felt she might have generated a ping on Tiffany's threat sonar. She'd seen Tiffany destroy plenty of junior staff in the past. "'Wait a second, Tiffany said, eyes suddenly bright with an epiphany. "'How did you meet Glenn?' Marianne immediately glanced down at her watch and then said with a grin, "'Sorry, that was five minutes. Back to rehearsals.' "'We've got two more minutes,' Tiffany said, holding up her own watch. "'Really?' Marianne said, I must have tapped something I wasn't supposed to. Let me check the time on my phone. Tiffany rolled her eyes and said, Marianne, we don't have time for this. I've only got a minute and a half now. To figure out what exactly, Marianne said, we're working. This is work. I need to find a man for tomorrow that I don't instantly reject. Understood, Marianne replied, but my situation is very different from yours, and this week hasn't exactly been... I'm going to have to cut you off there, Tiffany said. I'm sorry if I made it seem that way, but this isn't about you, Marianne. As you know, we have a lot of deals in flux at the moment, some you don't even know about. Marianne knew about all of them, and because she was an admin on Tiffany's social and messaging accounts, she also knew Tiffany was beginning to tap her network to find her next job. Their company didn't have any truly differentiated products. And while the company's PR and word of mouth were still excellent, they wouldn't stay that way indefinitely. The company's main asset was Tiffany. Most of the company's investors had put money in just to retain access to Tiffany as leverage in their own ventures. But access to Tiffany was only as valuable as the perceived value of the company she was running. As a result, keeping good appearances were becoming the company's core offering. And when you Google my name, the day after this presentation, she continued, there are going to be as many pictures of me standing with this fucking guy as there will be pictures of me standing at this fucking podium. So do me a favor, get over yourself, and tell me in the next 60 seconds how you started dating Glenn. (sighs) I told you this already, Marianne replied. I wanted one of his cameras. You're right, I do already know that, Tiffany replied with her pitch rising. And what I actually do need to know is why you started dating him. He's cute and I'm sure he can make a really deep playlist, but he's not necessarily the guy you end up with. Whatever, Tiffany said with a sigh and glanced impatiently at her watch. Maybe, I I don't know, but you did end up with him. You moved in together, you're doing vacations now, and you're this woman who's, you're doing all kinds of things here at the company, doing things with your site. Whereas Glenn, what does Glenn even want? Can we not talk about this? No. Marianne, we are going to talk about this. In the next 30 seconds, I want you to tell me. You know what, Marianne replied with a snicker. I think that's it, actually. He never wanted anything from me. What's that even mean? Everybody wants something, Marianne continued. Even if they just want you to be part of their thing. Glenn was the first person I ever met who genuinely didn't want anything from me. Tiffany immediately clapped her hands together fucking brilliant, she said with an open mouthed smile. You're so goddamn smart. See that with 10 seconds to spare. She pressed her watch until she got a beep and then said, filter date candidates. Include only those with not-for-profits. Glad I could help, Marianne said. I wish the two of you all the best. Now, can we get back to rehearsals? No, let's take another 30, Tiffany said. Look, Marianne, you're not as opaque as you think you are. Be pissed at me if you want. I apologize for my methods all the time, but I never have to apologize for the results. If you take away one thing from your time as my assistant, it's that if you don't generate some friction, you're not going to get a spark. Marianne nodded and grinned politely. She'd written that line for Tiffany in her first month on the job and so braced herself for 30 more seconds of her own bad prose coming back on her like a poorly digested meal. Mercifully, though, she didn't have to. A woman from the PR team walked into the auditorium. Can't right now, Tiffany said. No, it's... The woman cut herself off, trying to think of a gentler way to interface with Tiffany's ego. I need to speak with Marianne. About what? Marianne, do you know a woman named Ava McLaren? Yes. We keep media crawlers up for all the employees, in case we get a hit that we think might spark something. Spark what? Tiffany shouted. What's the hit? I guess she's some kind of performance artist, the woman continued. Anyway, she's got a new video up. For a fragrance brand, Marianne said, some guy in his underwear, I already saw it. No, Marianne, the woman said, it's a new video. And it's about you.
0: So that's the second installment of the Storyliner. If you poked around on our site, you may have noticed that one of the benefits of having your submission chosen for the show is that you become the star, literally, on an installment of the Storyliner. And that's the next installment. I'll be interviewing Stefan Blublil, a man whose many talents defy summary, so I won't even bother here. We'll talk a bit about his creative background, why he wrote what he wrote for the Storyliner, and his take on the experience. And don't forget, the first four episodes of the Storyliner have already been written and recorded, but episode five is your episode, when we'll start creating the show from your submissions. Keep listening, maybe start jotting down a few ideas, and once you've finished all the episodes to date, write a few pages and submit them to become our next episode. Be a part of where the story goes next. All you have to do is write a few pages. The Storyliner will do the rest. If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please subscribe and review us on iTunes. I have it on good authority from people much smarter than I that doing so will help the show enormously. If you haven't visited us already, I also strongly encourage you to check out thestoryliner.com, where you can leave feedback, follow us on Twitter, and stream episodes. Keep listening and we look forward to your submission. Today's episode was read by Michelle Monteforti. Music and sound design was composed by Stéphane Boublil, And our logo and site was designed by The Apartment. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. His award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Build a beautiful.